This is the Jocko Underground Podcast, number 24, with Echo Charles. And me, Jocko. Uh, I'm going to read something. It's kind of disturbing in a way. A seven-year-old boy in Taiwan who was allegedly body slammed 27 times during judo practice by both his classmates and coach suffered a brain hemorrhage and was ultimately removed from life support, a report said Tuesday. The BBC, citing the Taipei Times, reported that the coach has been charged with assault and using a minor to commit a crime, but his charges would likely be upgraded to include or be replaced by injury-causing death. The boy reportedly attended a judo practice in April and suffered a brain hemorrhage after the repeated injuries. He slipped into a coma and was on life support for 70 days. I still remember that morning when I took him to school, the unidentified boy's mother previously told local outlets. He turned around and said, Mama, goodbye. By night, he had become like this. The young victim's uncle reportedly videotaped the allegedly violent class. Footage of the incident purportedly shows the boy being thrown by older classmates acting on orders from the coach, according to the report. The coach even allegedly took a turn. Then, when the child fell unconscious, the instructor allegedly accused him of feigning the injury. The report said the report identified the coach by his surname, Ho, and said investigators determined he was not a licensed instructor. Ho was ultimately released on bail, equivalent to $3,500, according to the BBC. If convicted, he reportedly faces up to life in prison. Horrible. There's another story that added a little bit more detail that had come out a little bit later. He had only started taking judo classes two weeks prior to the horrific incident after pleading with his parents to let him try out the martial art. Um, after doctors spoke to his family, they agreed to withdraw his life support. Ho was initially released by the district pr- prosecutor following questioning who accepted his explanation that the incident was merely part of normal training. <sighs> So, there you go. Um, uh, by the way, I saw I, I originally picked up on the story from McDojo Life, yeah. who has an Instagram channel and who breaks down a lot of these fake or well, mostly it's fake martial arts. But he has definitely honed in on some abusive instructors. This is one of them, and you know, look, I, I guess the reason to why did I single this out? First of all, because it's awful. I mean, obviously, it's just completely ridiculous. And and when you hear about this kind of just, man, what do you call this? I don't know what the word that I would use to describe. I don't like this type of person. It's like, it's bully for sure, but then there's a next level bully. And I guess when we start talking about martial arts, when we start talking about parenting and the kids asking to go and, you know, we... You and me, obviously, Echo, we encourage people all the time to get their kids involved in martial arts and to get involved in martial arts themselves because of all the benefits that it has. And then you have a a piece of scum like this that does this. So uh, just just pay attention. Just pay attention to who the hell you're, you're giving your kids to and pay attention. Watch some of those classes yourself. Mom. And also the people that you're hanging around, you, maybe it's you that's going to this class that's getting beat down. You shouldn't be getting beat down in a class, especially as a beginner. Look, if you're in the game and you've been training for three years, you're gonna have some freaking hard classes, for sure. You're not, 
martial arts training is not always going to be easy. It's going to be a push. But there's a difference between getting pushed and getting killed, obviously, or even getting injured. Uh, and then, and then, listen. Just for kids, the best thing you can do for kids is make things fun for them. That's the best thing you can do. The idea that you're going to expose a kid to this kind of abuse is it, it, that that somehow is going to help them is just it's patently wrong. It's kind of like uh, you know with exposure therapy. If I take an overexpose, if you're scared of needles and I overexpose you to needles and it freaks you out, you go backwards. You don't get better, you get worse. Mm -hmm. If you're scared of blood and I overexpose you to blood, it doesn't get better, it gets worse. So if you expose your kids to something and you overexpose them to the point where they're uncomfortable, it doesn't make them better. Look, a little bit uncomfortable is okay. That's okay, as long as that exposure therapy isn't overwhelming. When you expose people to something where they're overwhelmed, hey, it's 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 way the warrior kid, right? You, you, the kid's scared of water, you don't throw him in the water. No, you let him look at the water, then you let him touch the water, then you let him wade in the water, then you let him go to his knees, then you dunk his, then you let him dunk his head. And at any time, if they feel uncomfortable, you let him walk away. It's okay, see, there's nothing to be afraid of. You can go forward. So, it's just a heads up. Thanks to McDojo Life for for throwing this out there, but um, maybe getting this out to more people so you're paying attention. We think we're, do- sometimes we think we're doing our kids a favor, right? Pushing them super hard, and here they are. So, evil people out there. Yeah. You kind of, even like as an adult, you kind of run that risk, like when you go, because there's a, there's a huge factor of in- intimidation, especially for kids, like big time, where, you know, they go into a judo class, we'll say, because mm-hmm. I used to take judo when mm-hmm. I was a kid. And you go in there and it's like, it's the environment is pretty intimidating. Mm-hmm. So you just want to like, okay, yeah, I'll just, I'll just obey. In. Yeah, fit in. And you don't want to, for sure, don't want to get in trouble. Yelled at in front of, you know. It's just intimidating, you know, so you're just going to go with the flow a lot of the mm-hmm. time. And then that can be the case, too, as an adult as well. If you go into, you know, a situation like that where it's like it's kind of intimidating, you're going to try to mind your P's and Q's and do what they say, kind of a thing, get through it. And you got to kind of be aware of like, like almost on a moral level, like, hey, man, are these people, are they bullying me right now? Like, is this right? And you're always like fighting with that because you don't know the tradition, you know, you don't know the tradition of the class of the school or whatever, like the history, or whatever. And that can be part of the tradition sometimes. And you don't want to mess with that as well. So it can be freaking hard, man. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to like your kids, too, it's like there's an element of actually a huge element is like you kind of trust that class with your kid. For sure. And it's like, shoot, if they're just slamming them like that to that degree where he's getting knocked out on the. Ah. You know, this. You hear like a when child molesters get sent to prison, they get like raped themselves yeah. and killed, and you are feeling good about that, right? Yeah. This is a similar thing. I feel similar. like I want this guy to get put into prison with a bunch of freaking real judokas and just get and just get thrown until he's dead. So uh, maybe that's irrational, but that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, that is the. I mean, this is. A, I I watched. They had a little clip of a little photo where they freeze frames in the news story. Right. It's a little freaking kid. He's yeah, nine years old, bro. Yeah, seven, I think. Yeah, seven years seven. old. It's this like dude needs terrible. to get yeah. freaking. 
Like, so I know, and I think it might be in China. I'm not sure, but it was like I saw this thing where it was like an extreme. It was like gym, gymnasts, right? Mm-hmm. They're developing gymnastics oh, athletes, yeah. and they're little girls. And what, it, there was a picture of the the coach or the instructor, or whatever, like pushing the girl down to stretch mm-hmm. to get in a stretch for it, and the girls like crying. Oh yeah, I'm like, man. I get it. There's like a tradition of training. Uh, I get that. But, man, I, it's really hard to get on board with that, you know? Yeah. Like, even if the kid is like, quote, unquote, like, oh, he's just a weak kid or whatever. But, bro, if the kid is crying, don't bro, I don't him. know, man. That's what I'm Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, man. Just can't do that, man. All right. Sorry for starting it off like that, man. But please just pay attention out there in the world. Freaking evil people. Scum. Let's get to some Q&A. What do we got? <clears throat> First question. Some family matters scenarios. Okay. We're attempting to resolve a family issue and running into a wall. My mother is increasingly meddling in our household, wife, toddler, and me, and not respecting boundaries. It's turning into a toxic situation. She's becoming increasingly opinionated about how we operate our family life, most commonly related to our child. This is the thing, by the way. The kind of a mm-hmm. common thing I've seen. Makes sense. And is voicing her opinions. Historically, we'd hear out her suggestions, incorporate things we consider reasonable, and disregard things we don't agree with. Recently, the suggestions and fly-by comments have become very frequent. Daily. This is annoying to the extent that we find ourselves not wanting to spend time with her because of it. We can't fire family. So we have to find a way to work through this. Outside perspective, outside an outside perspective would be very helpful. Do you have any advice on tactics and or strategy here? I really appreciate it. Yeah, good job so far. Like I like the idea of hearing out the suggestions, incorporate things that are reasonable, and and disregard things you don't agree with. I think that's good. Uh, but you know, when you incorporate some things, she thinks maybe she needs to give you even more, and it starts to increase and all that. And maybe now you start to get annoyed. Here's the thing. You're getting annoyed. That's on you. I hate to say it. Mm-hmm. The reality is if you're getting annoyed, it's on you. I would go in the other direction. I'd have fun with it. That, that like course of action, number one, have fun with it. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm not trying to say be overly sarcastic, uh, but yeah. Okay, mom. Yep, we'll give her nothing but carrots for dinner. How does that sound? That's that's what you want me to. You know what I mean? Mm. She's like, "What are you doing feeding her that cherry pie?" Yeah. Oh, you're right, mom. Let let's let's not let her eat any. My fault. You know what? Let me put a muzzle on her head. Right? Let's have some fun with it. See mm. if we can give mom the little hint that maybe we have heard enough of the suggestions mm. without you know trying to escalate it. A little little humor to de-escalate is what I'm saying. Mm. Not sarcasm that escalates, but a little humor to de-escalate. The other thing is just ignore it a little bit. Yeah. Like, hey, oh, you want us to just, just freaking ignore it. I mean, that's the best way. Uh, someone's, someone's making comments, someone's picking on you or whatever, just ignore it, ignore it. Mm-hmm. It's like, yep, whatever, we're doing what we're doing. And, and by the way, some of that, you know, it says here, we find ourselves not wanting to spend time with her because of it. There may be something to it, like, hey, yeah, we're going to the park on Saturday. I always come over on Saturday. Well, we're going to the park. Well, do you want me to come? Well, we're going to be going early. It's, maybe not today's not great. You start yeah. giving a little bit of little bit of that little hint, and that could that could do it. Um, so, you know, so I would do a little bit of ignore, maybe smile and be like, "Yeah, okay, mom, thanks, thanks for the input." 
appreciate it. Yeah, that's a good point, Mom. Cherry pie can cause type 2 diabetes. I get it, right? Thank you. We'll, we'll definitely get a Dexcom. You know, maybe we should get her a Dexcom and get her hooked up to a con- continuous glucose monitor. What do you think, Mom? Can you chip in? Can we split the cost of that? Uh, the last thing I would say is I was, I, I was working in a situation and Leif was working with an adjacent team and one of the guys, this is when we were in the military, one of the guys that I had working for me was a little bit crazy and would do kind of like crazy stuff, right? Gee. Make crazy suggestions, suggest crazy things, and half the stuff that he said would be cool, pertinent, like good things that need to happen, and the other half of it would be like legit crazy things that just didn't make any sense. And I remember one time Leif was super frustrated. And he's like, dude, this is ridiculous. You gotta get this guy under control, man. You know, he's pissed. Mm-hmm. And... uh I was like, well, dude, what's wrong? He's like, you this guy's saying we should do this, that, and the other thing. And I said, like, hey, man, uh, he's crazy, bro. <laughs> why, why do you care? Like, just blow that off. Like, he's crazy. Don't let that, don't let it get you mad. He kind of laughed and was like, okay, cool. It sounds like maybe mom is a little bit crazy, a little bit micromanaging, a little bit nuts. Cool. Laugh it off. Ignore it a little bit. Don't get annoyed. I think those are some really good options. Uh, maybe create a little distance. Like, I think these things are all good. I don't. <laughs> Let's face it, people get a little, I, I can tell you when we have situations like this in my family with whoever, yeah. my whole family like is gonna get aggro, not aggro, is gonna get, they're all gonna find it funny. You're not gonna make too many suggestions before you're getting ripped. <laughs> so, mm. what do you think? You said you're familiar with this type of scenario, oh. you've heard of it. Oh yeah, fully, and I, well. The thing, let me dis- disclaim, mm-hmm. right? Disclaimer that I, I am in no position to give advice um, on this uh-huh. because what I feel when I read this or hear this or whatever is immediate. Well, okay, I can't give advice, but I, I can understand because you have kind of two sides where, because that's the grandma, you know? Technically, that's the grandmother. So it's not like she doesn't have a right to be a part of like the family or whatever. Now, is she overstepping her boundaries? Seems like she's overstepping boundaries. I feel like that's a thing. So it like feels like okay, you can't like deny her access to the grandkids and right. like stuff like that. I don't. That doesn't feel right. And then, but on the, at the same time, she can't be coming in and ca- yeah. doing this kind of stuff. It's kind of yeah. whack. Yeah. And you're, um, or put it this way, it's not right. So if like you're suggesting when you're like, um, what was your first one saying? Uh, Ignore or like if you get annoyed, it's kind of on you. Yeah, like that, yeah. Like that is, I I feel like that is true as well. Mm-hmm. Although that's not, it's not that easy sometimes, especially when you have you and your wife. You mm-hmm. know, so it's like it's hard for me. That's why I might have some fun with it. Yeah. See, there's a little difference. It's a little bit more go, going on offense. You know. Yeah. So be like, hey, I, we made three cherry pies tonight. What's yeah. for dinner? Cherry pie. What's for dessert? Cherry pie. Yeah. And See, mom's, your mom's freaking out. Be like, hey, mom, check it out. Cherry pie is okay to have once in a while. You can't keep freaking out on this stuff, mom. You know what sounds really good about that approach is that that will, let's say, and I'm imagining me and my wife put mm-hmm. it that way. I Like if I did that approach, that would help with my wife, I think. Mm-hmm. She would see that I'm like, oh, yeah. I see it too. I'm yeah. annoyed by it too. And yeah. I'm lightening up things, yeah. yet I'm still more on her side. So I dig it, I dig it. But to be honest, I don't know if this is just triggering me or what, but to me, instant boundary. 
the your park scenario mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, we're going to the park. No, yeah, I'm sorry. Today is not a, the best day. Mm-hmm. And it would just slowly be escalating yeah. until like, hey, man. I might, I might even say something like in a real, like caring way, like, "Hey, this is what's going on," and sorry, like, can you yeah. we got to stop doing that? At kind of some stuff. point, you know, you got to give them some indication as to why they're starting to get the cold shoulder. Yeah, and and that's a little bit, you know, you want to do it indirectly, right? Because if we come at them, well, then they're freaking out and it's causing more problems. But if you just start saying, "Well, you know, we're gonna go to the park by ourselves today," you know, I just want to spend some time alone with the the baby. Yeah. Well, don't you think it's good for them to see their grandma? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's why we have Thursday Thursday afternoons. Yeah, once a year. Once a year, (laughs) bi monthly. (laughs) Uh, yeah. So I think that's what you got to do. And and look, people start getting crazy, and it starts getting hyper. You know freaking out about look no one likes to be told how to raise their kids right no yeah you ever seen the movie there will be blood no 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 you talked about it there's a one scene where the guy says they're they're trying to buy his oil rig or line or whatever and he and he goes he's hard bargaining he goes what would i do with all that money he goes i don't know he's like retire spend more time with your kid and you can see the switch in his mind, and he's like, "You don't tell me how to raise my family." Mm-hmm. And then they they say one more thing, and he goes, "One night when you're asleep, I'm going to come to your house and I'm going to slit your throat." <laughs> and it's epic. Is that Daniel Day Lewis? That's Daniel Day Lewis. But people get real defensive oh, yeah. when we start telling them how to raise their kids, yeah. right? So we got to be careful on that thing. That's what Grandma should be careful of. But look. I think we're I think we're beating a dead horse a little bit, mm. right? We know what we got to do. We got to try create a little distance, have some fun with it. Don't get annoyed. Maybe bring it up in an indirect way by saying, "Hey, mom, the cherry pie is not going to kill the baby." Like, let's let's carry on. Mm. Hey, you know what? Hey, mom, I appreciate the advice, but let's let's draw the line. Mm-hmm. Hey, mom, I'll tell you what. Can we? Can you do me a favor? Can we draw the line at fourteen pieces of advice you give me a month on <laughs> on how to raise? Like, like, see how you're laughing at that? That's yeah. kind of funny, right? Yeah. Maybe we open it up a little bit. Let's get through it with some humor and um, see how that works to start with. Yeah. And, and by the way, some people are crazy. Yeah. You can't listen to people that are crazy. You can't argue with them. You can't. You just have to be like, okay, this person's a little bit crazy. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. Sometimes we're doing the support section of the podcast, right? Sure. You're still going to start talking about some stuff that no one wants to hear, including me. Sometimes, yeah. I kind of just got to roll with it. <laughs> See the whole, like, oh, you're just crazy. Now you're being crazy right now. Oh, because so, everyone yeah, wants to hear everyone, what you have to say. It's like so <laughs> obvious, too. Anyway, yeah, I dig it. But, yeah, how to raise your kids, um, what diet to oh, follow, yeah, your yeah, religion, yeah. your political uh, affiliation or, or philosophy, whatever. Like, those are hot mm-hmm button topics yeah and so let's face it raise your kid is a real big one i think so yeah, yeah. big time and i think the i think grandma and this makes sense kind of when i kind of look at it from the outside where grandma will feel that because what if you had a you know when you have a kid and if you don't think about it like mm-hmm. in the bigger picture like when you're in the situation you have a kid and you're like okay that's my kid i'm gonna raise him i'm gonna do this mm-hmm. and then they have a kid you kind of feel like that's kind of your kid too it's kind of our kid oh kind grandma of. feels, grandma that feels way, yeah. this way like or put it this way i'm not saying necessarily that i would feel that way i i'm saying i understand if someone ends up feeling that way mm-hmm. so they kind of feel a little bit entitled in that way to at the very least give out some <laughs> advice right yeah 
It's not grandma's first rodeo. She knows a little something. Hey, Graham, if you can you do me a favor? That sounded like a really good piece of advice. Can you do me a favor? Can you can you actually write that down and submit it to me in triplicate so I can log down all the information that you've given me about raising my kid? Yeah, exactly. Let's have some fun with it. Yeah. Next question. Check. Jocko, to build a culture of extreme ownership on your team, would you say it's better to have your team read the book as required reading to have a baseline for, of the concept or just lead by example? Uh, this a li- little bit tricky to answer this one in the fact that who, well, how big is this team? What are we talking? Are we talking about a thousand people? Are we talking about one person? Or are we talking about five people? But but nonetheless, we can still work through it. Um, required reading always has a little bit of a, you know, you feel what I'm feeling. You're nodding yeah. your head. Required reading means imposed reading. We're imposing mm-hmm. on you what you're going to read. We don't generally like that. So lead by example. Yep. Start by modeling. Start by taking ownership. That right there, if you start taking ownership and you do that as a campaign over time and people continue continually see you taking ownership and then they will start taking ownership as well. That can be enough. Another thing you could do is you could you know have them come up with, um, have them develop the values, the culture of your team. Hey, you know what team? I wanna make sure we're all on the same sheet of music. Let's figure out what our culture is. Let's figure out what our values are. Come up with a list or let's come up with a list. You're not assigning them, imposing work on them, but you're saying, hey, let's think about it. And then you kind of weave the guy, guide, weave the ownership in there, so they start thinking, oh, okay, this is our mindset. Our mindset is we take ownership of things, we get the problem solved, we support the customer, we look out for our clients, we, you know, respond quickly, and we take ownership of problems. Oh, okay, now all of a sudden people start having. So that's another methodology. If you're gonna do some kind of. Um, you know, leadership development, which you're not imposing on people, but that you lead more as a discussion. Hey, let's work together to make sure we're all leading in the same manner. That's cool. That's a good way to do it. We've had a lot of people that have done, hey, for our leadership enhancement and professional development, we're gonna review some books. Uh, Here's a book we're gonna review. It's called Extreme Ownership. Cool, Echo. Next week, we're going to talk about the first chapter. You you know, you know, run the discussion. Okay, cool. Next week, Fred, you got the next chapter, and so on down the line. So people kind of, they kind of take leadership, they own it, they talk about it, they dive into it. We have a little 20, 30-minute meeting. We talk about what the chapter is about, what we got out of it, how it f- ties into our business. So that's another good way. The final one I would say is, you know, hey, Echo, I got this book right here, and I read it, man. It makes a lot of sense to me. I want to kind of start... I kind of want to start living this way. Can you do me a favor, just take a look at it, and if you see me start getting out of the box with some of these concepts, can you help keep me in check and that gets you to read it? You feel like you're gonna help me, so it kind of motivates you to help me because it kind of gives you a little bit of ego massage that I'm asking for your help, Mm. and so you feel good about it. Mm. That's what I'm saying. So there's a bunch of different ways to go about that. Uh, I would start off, I would start off with the minimum force required and then escalate as needed. Mm. But that leading by example is powerful. That's the that's the example that we talk about all the time at Echelon Front. We, when you start to take ownership, if I come in here and say, Echo, the gear wasn't prepped right, mm-hmm. what what's your reaction? Yeah, I'm going to get defensive. You're going to get sure. defensive. If I come in here and say, hey, Echo, I don't think I gave you the, the heads up on what time we needed to have the gear set up because I've been here for 15 minutes and the gear's not ready. Can we come up with a system where I'm communicating to you more clearly because I feel like I let you down? Yeah. Do you get defensive? No. Do you want to solve the problem? I do. There you go. 
Yeah. So modeling goes a long way. Yeah. That, but you know what? What I did notice with you, like even you just saying that hypothetical or whatever, like you're real good at because you know how like extreme ownership, like to do it correctly, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things you have to go against in your brain. There is, yes. So you're real good because you're this. You're <laughs> just this is not your first. Ra- you know you've been doing this a long time, but when you take or. I know I've encountered this with myself even when it'd be like, it's almost like you subconsciously slip in little blaming things on the, but you don't mean to do it. You just sort of like, I don't know. It's like natural. I'll tell you what it is. You don't believe what you're saying. That's <laughs> right, what right. it Actually, is. Actually, you even told me that yeah, before. I, told, I think I told you this on the last one. Yeah. When I tell you, hey, Echo, I don't think I gave you a heads up on what time we need to be ready. I'm yeah. not just saying that so you take ownership. I literally mean... I truly believe that I should have given you a better, because are you a bad person? Do you, do you want to not be ready to do your job? No. So, so then who must have been at, at fault here? It's gotta be me. Yeah. It's gotta be me. So my first, well, the reason I'm quote good at it, yeah. the reason I'm quote good at acting like I <laughs> am taking ownership is because I actually am taking ownership. Not because I'm Marlon Brando. <laughs> can act good. Yeah, yeah. not because I'm a good actor. <laughs> yeah, but, okay. And I could be off base again, yet mm-hmm. again right now. Mm-hmm. That's but <laughs> Maybe even likely. But even that, like, see, <laughs> it's not that easy just to, like, truly buy in. Okay. So, okay, you're correct. But it, put it this way. It's not that intuitive. It's not that natural and intuitive to just straight up. For real, for real. Yes. Take responsibility for something that someone else did. In your, that's going to be intuitively in your mind. It's you not intuitive at all. Yeah. What's intuitive is to cast blame on other people. Yes. When you walk into the kitchen and you're looking at your four-year-old kid and the milk is spilled, what do they say? They say, the milk spilled. Yeah. It wasn't them that spilled the milk. It was an inanimate object that yeah. was not them that spilled the milk. Spilled so we're, we're programmed to to get defensive and blame other people. So yeah. yes, you're right. It is counterintuitive, and we have to be able to overcome it, and that means overcoming your ego, and it means taking ownership of problems that happen. Yeah. But if you do it for real, and it is a real problem. Now listen, if you're late 17 times to getting the equipment set up, and we show up here on this 18th time, yeah. and I go, Echo, I really feel like I'm not making it. Dude, I freaking did make it clear. And I did give you the time. And I gave it, I texted it to you. I told you four days in advance. I put it on your calendar. I did all those things. And you still are failing to do it. Guess what? Guess what? Now it's my fault for not firing your lazy, lackadaisical human from this situation. Uh, Yeah, I get it. So it's still my fault because I still got you working here. When you've more than displayed your inadequacies across the board in multiple planes of failure. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah, you said that with a lot of enthusiasm, and I I respect it. Oh, check. You know, it's put it this way. It's starting to sink in now. Mm -hmm. Because, hey, man, I'm on this ride like anyone else, you know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, varying levels of success. I feel like, hey, you know. But every once in a while, it's like, you know, when you identify, when you look back on a scenario and you're like, oh, shoot, I could have done this better. You know, I could have handled this better with extreme ownership or whatever, the indirect approach, all these things. 
when you you know when you kind of look back on your situation and be like okay i could have handled that better it's like when you think about it these are the things that i come across that i did or allowed myself to feel and it turns out yeah maybe i didn't fully like believe that it was my fault you know mm-hmm. but uh, it's like over time you get better and better you know yeah i, I had something go down the other day with a client where they they were like they uh, they were supposed to get something done Mm-hmm. And it was a, what is it, a, a collaborative effort mm-hmm. to get a document completed. Mm-hmm. And the document didn't get completed on time because people were lagging and people weren't getting done what they were supposed to get done and they didn't meet their timelines and they weren't following up. So there's a bunch of reasons. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in the last whatever 45 minutes of before the due date, there was some lagging on the system, right? And by the way, it was like a Microsoft system, right? The largest system in the world. Right. And and they were kind of like, well, you know, the 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 whatever the draw the system didn't work. The system was lagging. Failed you. Yeah. And I was kind of like, you know, just listen to the client say that. And I said, hey, man. And they were like, hey, we we can't use that system anymore because that's what made us fail. And right. I was like, okay, well, that's interesting. You're saying that. The entire world basically uses this system, but it's not adequate. So, and this is not a huge company, but but massive, massive companies use this system, yeah. and it works for them. The government uses it, like the military uses it. Yeah. Uh, massive billion billion dollar companies, trillion dollar companies use it. But it, but it's inadequate. Right, that's right. why you didn't get this done. Yeah, that. that's the failing that's point. The failing in your, point. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, oh yeah, cool, got it. I need to tighten it up. So, mm. gotta be careful. Of that gotta be careful. Of that. Right, next question, Jocko and Echo. As an organization, my, my fire department is at a cross at the crossroads and looking at major organizational and structure changes in the near future. Uncertainty is in the air. I feel that this, it, this is my time to lead. I'm lucky and work with a great crew of people on my shift. I'm doing my best to, to build relationships outside of my shift to, sh- to shift coworkers from different platoons. However, I know that some of them may be reluctant to jump aboard the change train. It's a good expression, by the way. How can I maximize my influence while at the same time not come off as too intense? Bottom line is, we're expected to manage difficult, complex, and dangerous emergency problems under stressful, challenging conditions, but these events are becoming less and less frequent. Complacency has crept in over the years, and I'm driven to get that out of our identity. These dich- There's a dichotomy here, and I'd just like to hear your thoughts. My major check is to ensure I'm not coming off like I'm looking down on others. I'm curious what else you both would have to offer. Many things. <clears throat> Look, model behavior for sure. I mean, here's a key. Here's how I would do something like this. Um, I would ask for help. I would ask for support. I would say, "Hey, Echo, how do you think we could be more ready for this? Hey, Echo, what do you think we should do this like? I'm going to empower you. And when I say, "Hey, Echo, there's a new policy coming down. How do you think we should implement that?" And you say, "Well, that new policy's stupid." Yeah. I'd be like, "Well." But it's the policy. What do you think we should do, right? So I'm going to give it back to you. I'm going to start to allow you to become the one that takes ownership of driving change because that's the ultimate win is to have you driving change, not me driving you to drive change. Mm. That's not what we're looking for. 
So I would get the team to start to come up with things. And, and this doesn't even have to be direct. This should, this, even this should be indirect. It's not like, Echo, you know that new policy? I want you to go ahead and come up with a plan for that. No, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about, man, did you see this new policy, Echo? Did you see it? Did you see it? Yeah. Do you, how do you think we should go about executing that thing? Oh, I got some ideas. Oh, okay. Your first response might be like, I saw it, it's stupid. Mm. Yeah. Is there any way, here's a good response to it, it's stupid. Hey, is there any way we can make it more applicable? Mm. Man, if there, do you think we could come up, do you think we could come up with a way of making it more applicable? Mm. So you haven't even thought about how to handle it yet. Mm-hmm. You just said it's stupid because people don't like change. People right. don't want to get on the change trend. As soon as I can get you to like start thinking about it, you'll start to discover a good way to do it. Yeah. And then I don't have to get you to buy into the change. You own the change. Yeah, that's actually a good point because even I felt it right there, kind of through the little role play, right? Where you were like, okay, let's say I said it was stupid and didn't really look into it. I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm, you know, I like change, whatever. And it's stupid. Let's say then I, and you were like, hey, how do, what do you think about this? Like, like, and I'm like, okay, let me look into this thing. Yeah. And like, what if I really read it? I'm like, oh, maybe it's not that stupid, yeah. but I already said it's stupid. I'll just think of some little detail and I'll be like, well, it would be good if we could just do this. Just one, add this one little thing. I think we got some, and the, but, but I'm already bought in. Yeah. That's the thing. I see what you did there. Kind of. Yeah. That's uh yeah. Yeah. I feel like that would work on me for sure. So. so the other thing is you've done a good job. It sounds like you're forming relationships, you're forming alliances. You can do that even better. The best way to do that is by following. A great way to get in league with someone is to say, hey Echo, I like what you're doing. How can I support? How can I help? Looks like you, it looks like you got a good, pretty good plan. It looks like you got a pretty solid plan. I haven't even really, I didn't see that. What can I do to help? And then take little positives, take little positives and amplify them, right? You come up with a little thing, you come up with a little, when you go, if we add this one little thing, oh man, that's a great idea, I'm gonna run that up the chain of command and see if we can get that approved across the board. That makes sense. <laughs> Boom, good job. Hey everyone, Echo came up with this plan. Oh, that's a big one. Totally. Like, I mean, this is, this is just, it's what we have to do as leaders. So I like the fact that this guy's paranoid about being um, too intense. Because you, if you're too intense and you're starting to ram stuff down their throat, it doesn't work. Mm. No, you can't. Well, let me rephrase that. It works, mm-hmm. but they throw it up later. You want to actually have them make the meal. That's our goal. That's such a good one. You, um, you mentioned there, like, just real quickly right there when you're like, oh, Echo, I came up with this new plan. I think I told you this before, too, where, like, Bro, that feels so good. Mm. We just, you know, kind of mention me and how I even it can be the smallest little thing, you yep. know. But you, it's it was obviously big enough for you to mention it to everyone. So hell yeah, I'm awesome in that way. That's the feeling you get, you mm-hmm. know. So it's like so influential. I remember Greg in this part. I think I told you this. Maybe Greg Chain. Greg Chain hell mm-hmm. yeah, all day. Um, not. I don't think I don't know if we did when we were recording, but whatever. So he was teaching jujitsu class, and I was kind of in the class or whatever. And one of the moves he taught was like apparently a move that he said that I did really oh, well. Yeah. And he was like, he was like, oh, he's like, here, I'm teaching you guys this guard pass or whatever. He's like, hey, I, I actually, Echo does this really well. He, and he mentions my name in front of everybody. How many people did you pay more attention to on the class instruction? Bro, I was, yeah. You were like the best instructor <laughs> of the year. You were employee of the month. Hell yeah. 
I wanted everyone to get it. Yeah. I wanted everyone to be good at it, you know, because it was sort of mine. Like, yeah, man, that 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 feels like it would work 100% on mm-hmm. me, whether I know you're doing it <laughs> to me or not. Be like, yeah, I'm on, I'm on board. Uh, last thing I'll say about this. Yeah, this is a campaign, dude. Mm. All many, not all, but many of the answers to give for these leadership answers or these leadership questions, it's sort of like jujitsu. Like when people say, well, how do I pass your guard, right? Mm. Like there's a million different ways and you gotta learn a few and you gotta come from different angles and you gotta, it's the same thing here. It's not just like, oh, what you need to do is tell everyone this and then they'll be on board. No, Mm. it's a campaign. You gotta attack it from different angles. You gotta stay consistent. You gotta continue to model the correct behavior. You gotta continue to plant the seeds in there. You gotta continue to do this stuff. It's a campaign, not a single battle that you're engaged in. Makes sense. Next question. Next question. Jocko Echo. Longtime original listener from Scotland here. OG Trooper. That's what we call it. Mm. I'm 30 years old and have managed to reach the highest level of authority within my chosen field. Offshore, offshore oil and gas platform manager well ahead of my peers in the industry. I've had lots of praise over the, over the time from peers, bosses, and subordinates, particularly in terms of my modern leadership style. Yet, I'm not content. I want more. I want to know what I didn't do well. I always classed my own self-criticism and lack of contentment as my superpower. I know I can never be fit enough, strong enough, or good enough leader in my own eyes. I always want to get better and pick apart anything I see as suboptimal performance with a view to get better. I'm terrified of being average. Is there a point in which constant drive for self-improvement and betterment becomes a weakness or negative? Yeah. um, I guess to start this off, look, what is driving this drive, right? What is driving this drive? Is it because you're just want to do a good job to help other people out? And if so, you're probably it's probably really positive. And that could be it. If you've had all this praise over time from peers and bosses and subordinates and people are really appreciative of your leadership style, that's awesome. If you're doing it for yourself because you like the praise, then it's probably hollow. You know, one thing about this question that's a little bit Okay, it's really positive that it says I I get praise over time from peers, bosses, and subordinates. That's good. The next paragraph is like I'm not content. I want more. I want to know what I didn't do well. I always class I. It's I I I right. So we might be a little bit focused on ourselves, which can be a little bit, a little bit um, at in the end, in a strategic way. You you will look up and not feel satisfied. And when we have this feeling that we're not satisfied, that's. That's where that's the other part of this question is like I don't feel satisfied. I always want more is that because you want it for yourself and you can only take so much for yourself so If you're truly focused on helping other people and being a good leader that gets people promoted and you're not and and that's what you're doing That's gonna give you gratification. That's where I get the most gratification for sure So I would say let's let's measure that if you're, if you're doing stuff and you're focused on, on your weaknesses because you want to get stronger and it's helping other people, it's helping the team, that's good. I don't even think you can go overboard with that. I mean, you could go overboard eventually, but you're probably not going overboard. You're trying to do better. Mm-hmm. By the way, part of the analysis of 
of doing a good job is, hey, am I going overboard, which is what you're doing. So you're putting yourself in check right now. Mm -hmm. So I think we're in an okay place. The alternative on the like, hey, on that, on that, hey, I, 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 or the alternative on maybe you are just driven to do a good job and you're taking care of the team, which is good. Is there a possibility that you sound a little bit needy? Like a little bit like you're fishing for compliments or you have some kind of false humility? That's possible, right? Hey, Echo, can you debrief me on that? I want to know what I could do better, right? That, yeah, yeah. It's a little yeah, bit needy. It's a little bit annoying. Um, could it sound like false humility? Or could it sound like you're fishing for compliments? Sure, it could. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I think you got to go pretty hard to get to a point where you're going overboard with trying to find out where you can improve. I guess the only other thing I'd say is um, like if you're not gratified with anything that you're doing and you're constantly focused on yourself, well, then you're constantly focused on yourself. And if you're constantly focused on yourself, the reason that that might, the reason you might be asking this question is because you're like, wait a second, I'm never satisfied. It's because you're worried about yourself. And if you're worried about yourself all the time, that's not satisfying in the long run unless you're a sociopath. <laughs> and then you don't really care what's happening to anybody else, you're getting what you want. If you're a normal human, you're like, man, I'm doing, I'm, I know I'm doing better, but what about this guy? What about that guy? What, what about the team? Yeah. So if I'm focused all the time on myself, I'm investing more in the team. I'm investing like, how can, how can I help? How can I move everybody else forward? <sighs> yeah. I remember one thing you said, uh, well, he, and I'm, I'm speaking as a non-expert, 100%, mm. pretty much like everything. But the, I've, okay, so the whole self-improvement thing, mm -hmm. self-improvement, like there's been like an emergence of <laughs> the self-improvement industry. Genre industry, yeah. Yeah, where, so apparently people will get addicted to the self-improvement part of it, mm -hmm. but still have like no results in real life kind mm -hmm. of a thing. So they'll go to seminars, they'll listen to this, they'll read books and all this stuff. And then essentially that's like their, what do you call it? That's their satisfaction. That's their gratification. Yeah. It's like, I went to a seminar. I looked yeah. at another video. I ordered another self-help book. Yeah, exactly right. You're buying the book. But according to the question anyway, like he's getting results, like actual mm -hmm. real life results. So that's like a, a seems like that's not that it's not just you know the the, the self-gratification of going through the self-improvement but i think that a lot of times like in the, you said this where you're like if you're so smart why aren't you winning mm -hmm. kind of a thing so it's almost like maybe you could um you could kind of evaluate like is there any other part of my life that i'm like lacking because the you know the self-improvement like people who yeah. you know i'm a hard charger i have high standards you know like because a lot of times you'll probably see this a lot where it's like yeah i'm self-improved like i'm improving myself and i'm getting awesome results at work and i work hard and i you know i have high standards or whatever but meanwhile um they're Family's like falling, falling yeah apart, you know or, or people aren't as unhealthy not, or my friends aren't like I'm not as close with my friends anymore because they can't keep up almost kind of a thing, you know? So it's almost mm -hmm. like at a detriment of maybe the relationships in their life or something like this. Here's where I thought you might be going with that, which, which I agree with. You're right. There could be, hey, this guy's really focused on the chosen field, which is cool. 
and maybe some other parts of his life aren't as good as they could be, but hey, I can win over here right. in this game. Where so th- in that sense, it might be a negative, the yeah, whole solving. Because yeah. that's what he's asking, right? When does it become a negative or can it? Or it can, like, if yeah, other parts if of your life yeah. is... If I'm obsessed with winning at work, but other parts of my life are losing, that's a, then it definitely... So you're correct. Yeah. That's when it... That when, that's when self-improvement and betterment becomes a weakness or a negative. The other place where I thought you might be going, remember we had a, a podcast a while back. It was a pretty while, pretty long back, but I basically, I had two conversations with two separate individuals and it was, both of them were really hard workers, working extremely hard, mm. extremely talented individuals, applying themselves. And they both were kind of at a place where, look, they were, they were successful in their chosen field. Mm-hmm. But both of them felt this sort of um, emptiness or at least maybe felt like they could do more. Mm. And we ended up doing a podcast because I had the same conversation with both these individuals. I said, hey, imagine you're on a basketball team Remember this analogy? And I said, in a basketball team, and you're the hardest working player, and you practice all the time, and you go out, and if you're playing basketball, how many points can you score a night? Mm. And you know, it's like, oh, what, 30, 30, 40 points a night? Okay, because you're the, you're the best, hardest working guy, with, and you're talented. So you're scoring 30, 40 points a night. Mm. Boom, awesome, good job. And that means in a season, you play 80 whatever games, you're, you're scoring a lot of points, thousands of points. Mm. Cool. And then I said, what if you played soccer? You're the star player, you're working the hardest. How many points do you score? You might score one, two a game. Why? Because it's a different game. They're two different games. So you actually have to assess what game you're playing. Mm. Because if you're playing a game and you're only scoring one point a game and you're playing soccer and you want to score more points, you can't score more points. Maybe you can score two a game, but you're not going to score 30 or 40. Mm. That's what you score in basketball. So if you're in gas oil and you're working your ass off and you're a platform manager and you're ahead of your peers, you're ahead of your peers. Mm. You're crushing your peers. But guess what? You're not you're not beating someone that's freaking in a in a tech startup that had, you know, a, some huge success there. You might be working harder than that person in the tech startup. Mm-hmm. So you got to maybe check what game you're playing. This also could mean, okay, you're you're a gas oil platform manager. Well, what's the next okay, that's one platform. What about the fleet? What about how we how do we step up to we're managing seven of those or twelve of those or we're running the training for those or running the safe? Like what can we do to play maybe maybe the I'm just saying check the job satisfaction of the game that you're playing. Yeah. Might be a thing to do. Oh yeah, like that's if his uh what did he how did he put it like how he always wants more and stuff yeah. like if that's an issue for him right, like, right, right. like i feel unsatisfied almost yep. kind of thing yeah but he literally says i'm not content i want more yeah okay yeah. so if you want more why are you yeah. hey why are you beating up the white belts <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah, why are you beating up the white belts gotcha and and if you're kicking ass and i just want to know what i didn't do i get all these compliments hey jocko you really crushed the white belts today Mm. Was there anything I could have done better? Well, not really. <laughs> you f- you didn't get tapped out, and you tapped everyone in less than a minute mm. for forty straight minutes. Good job, good job, Jocko. Mm. And I walk out of the gym. Maybe I'm feeling like, man, I wish I could do better. Yeah, go roll with the blue belts. Go well with the purple belts. Go roll with the black belts. Mm-hmm. 
So maybe there needs to be a strategic assessment of where you're at, what game you're playing, and what level you're playing it at. Check. Good question. Next question. Mm-hmm. Time for one more here. Cool. Hi, Jocko. I'm 33. At the age of 70, my seemingly healthy mother was diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer and that she has limited time with us. This was three weeks ago. How can I best support my mother slash family and mentally prepare myself for her death? She says that she isn't strong and can't fight. I tell her she's already fighting, but I'm having trouble motivating her. Yeah. Um, this is a this is a tough question, and the reason it is a tough question is because the answer is tough. I I had a uh, a friend that got this type of cancer, and I you know one of our other mutual friends called me up and said said hey this incredibly healthy friend had was diagnosed with uh, this type of cancer. And, you know, the mutual friend was, hey, you know, we need to, you know, get him fired up to fight. And, and I go, okay, yep, check. You know, fi- yeah, absolutely. And we get off the phone. I go to Google. I type in the type of cancer. And I, I, I'll never forget reading this. It says uh, percentage of survival after two years. Zero percent. Zero percent. You are not surviving this. And this is what makes this a tough question. Um, and and so as and this, I was not extremely close to the to the, to the friend that had cancer. I was a, I was a friend, but not not one of the inner circle. So I was a little bit on the outside, but still, you know, a guy that I knew and had spent time with. And so, what I felt like, and I didn't really engage at this level because I wasn't on that inner circle. But I did, as, it, as, as he deteriorated, which he deteriorated rapidly, and like I said, this was an extremely a healthy individual, and it was very difficult to watch. Um, I, f- I, di- I did finally have a conversation with you know, one of his very close friends and said, you know, hey man, y- you need to talk to him about the end because everyone's saying fight fight i mean he's losing weight and everyone's talking about fight fight and and that's kind of that's kind of what i get from this you know telling your mom hang on hang on hang on and fight and fight and fight it may not be the most comforting thing it it, it She's she's facing a, and again I don't know this particular you know um, this particular type. Look, pancreatic cancer I know is awful and 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 fatal. I mean, look, that's what that's what Steve Jobs had, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so Steve Jobs with unlimited resources, mm-hmm. unlimited resources. It was a losing battle, and it was a pretty. I forget how I forget how long it took. So what I'm saying is, 
I get it. I want to stay positive. We want to talk about fighting, but we also have to mentally prepare her and yourself for the reality of the situation. And instead of focusing on fighting and instead of focusing on hanging on, maybe we face the reality, we smile, we build more memories. Instead of saying fight, we say thank you. Instead of saying hang on, we say thank you. And we move forward towards reality with an open heart and with sympathy and with grace. And that's an extremely difficult thing to do. Extremely difficult thing to do. But I believe that moving forward with grace and dignity is a better way than clawing and and scratching and quote fighting against reality and fate. And you know, as far as the um, mentally prepare yourself for her death, um, you know, I, I know some people have made a video of me talking about from the podcast of me talking about the emotions that are going to come in waves, and they're going to come, and when they first come, they're going to be strong and they're going to be frequent, and you're going to feel like you are lost at sea in a storm that you are never going to get out of, and you have to have faith and understand that you will those those waves of emotion will will diminish over time and it will become less frequent and eventually you and all that is not bad it doesn't mean you don't care it just means that you're processing this and you're getting through it and that's what human beings every human being every human being on earth has watched their family their friends their parents die that's what that's what life is and those waves of emotion that you're going to feel at other other people that's what that's part of the human reality and they will diminish over time and eventually you will process this and you will be able to move forward and trust me that is what your mother would want with that uh good luck bro and thank you for joining us, everybody. And thank you for supporting the cause. If you want some supplements, go to jockofuel.com. Jiu-Jitsu gear, jeans, boots, originusa.com. Jockostore.com. Echelonfront.com. We've got the books. We're on the interwebs. Echo Charles. Jocko Willink. And thanks, again, thanks to everyone for supporting us. Supporting this, this, this chamber of freedom. We have our own little world. And we appreciate you being here with us in the underground where we will always remain free. And until next time, this is Echo and Jocko.